check out award-winning Johnson & Boone Solicitor's unique product, Legal Guard. Ideal for businesses and individuals, Legal Guard ensures you get the legal help you need when you need it. Packages start from just £24 a month and include free expert advice, access to a library of legal documents, as well as exclusive discounts on a range of services. For more information, visit johnsonandboone.co.uk forward slash legal guard and quote the code THECHESH. You're listening to Johnson & Boone Solicitors Podcast exclusively on the Pod Station. Welcome everyone to episode 14 of the Johnson & Boone Podcast. My name is Mark. Joining me again for the second week in a row, he's becoming a, a podcast icon and guru it's chris johnson hey chris hi mark you can't get enough of it now can you you're just on a roll well i haven't been i haven't been able to get home you see so i'm <laughs> doing this one as well you're keeping yourself occupied whilst locked in the office that's right that's right <laughs> so i thought i might as well go through this with you rather than go home well what is it before i go through the usual information for people on how they can find the previous shows what is it we're going to be doing today um, what we're going to be talking about tonight is, is settlement agreements. Obviously, at the, this moment in time, um, a lot of people are being furloughed um, whilst this pandemic is going on, but there is likely to be some sort of uh, economic casualties for firms when, when the furlough ends in October in its entirety. And so really, um, it may well be that a lot of people are offered what's known as a settlement agreement. Um, to end their employment and really it's just for me to explain a little bit about them and what the process is really if they are in that situation. Yeah because the the coronavirus or COVID-19 pandemic crisis and the impact on the economy is probably going to be something that takes years. Uh, it's to... going to be it's going to be it, it's obviously I mean the Chancellor said there's it's such a downturn the the money that the government have borrowed um, even companies who've been able to get the business interruption loans or um, self-employed people as well have got their own loans. And businesses, um, some businesses still haven't opened and some are opening next week. But the inevitability of it all is that there will be some people who, regardless of what the uh, you know position that they've been able, in terms of finance, been able to secure, they'll find it extremely tough and it may well require that they're going to restructure um, and unfortunately as a result of that some employees will um, be in a situation where um, they're going to be made um, redundant and um, so there are certain ways in which you can be dismissed which I'll go through but a settlement agreement is one of them and I'm just really going to explain it um, so that if they, did, they are in that situation and uh, they'll understand uh, um, a little bit about it and what, what the process is so it's not as daunting for them. Cool. So uh, if you think that this might apply to you or indeed uh, if you, you have concerns, it may apply to you in the not too distant future. And definitely 
uh, stay tuned. So just before that, um, if you want to go and listen to some of the previous episodes, I mentioned this is episode 14, so there's 13 other shows for you to check out. Each one gives some legal advice from one of the experts from Johnson & Boone. Uh, Then go and find them on johnsonandboone.co.uk website. There's a podcast page where you can find them all. Um, There's also quick and easy links on those pages uh, where you can find the actual podcast platforms uh, to subscribe. Uh, We're on Apple, Google, Spotify, so all the major platforms. If you subscribe, it means that when the latest show drops, then it uploads onto the device that you use to listen to the show. Um, If that's not easy enough for you, then there is the Johnson & Boom mobile app, which you can download for free on both Apple and Android app stores. Again, uh, it has the podcast tab on there where you can listen to all the previous shows. It also has a whole host of other fantastic tools and functionalities uh, that you probably don't normally expect for for solicitors. So if you want to book an appointment with one of the team, you can do so through the app. You can find out all about their services. There's also lots of articles and tips. Um, Again, much the same as this podcast to try and either help you through a problem or help you understand it so you can identify exactly when you might need the support of the experts like Johnson and Boone. So without further ado, let's get stuck into the topic for today. So uh, I guess my first question is, what is a settlement agreement? Um, Well, some people historically will know um, who've been dealing in employment law for um, a while will understand that it was commonly known as a compromise agreement under the Employment Act 1996. Um, it's it's, It's essentially a document which is um, provides a way or a method of terminating an employee's contract of employment, um, and it's um, if if agreed by the parties, it then becomes a lean, legally binding document. So it's 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 essentially a way of rather than um, other methods of actually ending the employment relationship, it's something that both parties can agree on to end that working relationship. And what's the benefit of both the employer and the employee of having this sort of an agreement in place? I mean, let's start with the employer. Why why would they bother? Well, I mean, if if for example, um, an employee like in in today's climate, they want to um, reduce the workforce or reduce their overheads, um, the natural way that people reduce overheads is 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 unfortunately they have to look to the workforce and see whether or not they can make cuts. And once they've decided that that's the way forward, the company would have to look at, well, who are we actually going to select for the process? So they have to follow um, guidelines on, on, on selection in terms of a redundancy process. And so they may well deem that in terms of for the employer that rather than go through the formal process and the consultation and all of those issues, uh, um, they will first of all put out um, uh, an offer which is maybe a voluntary a redundancy offer for people to come forward and see whether or not they are willing to take uh, maybe an enhanced package, which is essentially what a uh, settlement agreement is, rather than the statutory redundancy um, that may be available. And if not, then if they can't get enough people, for example, yesterday there was news that Bentley's in crew um, hadn't got enough people to come forward on their uh, voluntary arrangements. And then what happens then is the employer has to consider, well, do we require mandatory redundancies here to survive? 
and then they have to go through the process of selecting the correct people, which is time um, for the employer. It's costly. It's it's also um, involving a lot of people um, that perhaps ultimately won't be made redundant, but they're obviously involved in the process. And so that's one benefit for them. And uh, the second benefit for an employer is if, for example, they're in a situation where um, they're in a dispute with the uh, em employee, it may well be they've got some, some issues with him or disciplinary issues with him. And they, or for example, the, or the employee's got a grievance against the company in some way, rather than um, the matter going through to a um, contested potential hearing in the future, this is a way for the employer to agree, okay, well, we can um, end the relationship if both parties agree that um, th there isn't a way forward. They can offer a settlement agreement in that. So there's really two different areas um, for an employer to consider this, but ultimately the the main aim is often it's just a, a cost saving issue. And what about employees? What what's the benefit to them? I mean, obviously it's not a particularly pleasant situation for them to find themselves in. Uh, so should there be a comfort attached to the fact that they've been offered this type of agreement? Well, again, if if for example you're in a, in a company and um, you are in a situation where the company are going to make redundancies. They've made that plain. Uh, if you're in a position that you think, okay, well, I've only got a, a couple of years employment to go anyway before I plan to retire, it may well be that you would be willing to accept an agreement to go now uh, with on, on an enhanced package rather than potentially um, not accepting that, that offer um, and then uh, ultimately be subject to a, a matrix for redundancy and you end up in that with a reduced sort of statutory payment. So that's one advantage for somebody to think, well, it is an enhanced package. The second way is where perhaps where you're not in dispute with your company, uh, uh, sorry, where you are in dispute with your company over some sort of disciplinary matter, um, it is a way for you to actually agree to both walk away from the contract as such um, and with, by way of a settlement agreement, rather than uh, you continuing in employment and there is a finding of um, some misbehavior maybe in the future against you and you're dismissed without any payment. So these are different things that people have to weigh up um, and that's part of the role when, when you come to see um, an advisor, he will he will consider those things once you tell him the reasons why you want to enter into a settlement agreement. Uh, the agreement presumably includes the standard things that you would expect when, when you're, you're dealing with employment matters like confidentiality and the likes. But what kind of payment types would you find in these agreements? How is it usually structured? Well, um, all the, the payment times, from, first of all, this is essentially um, three times of payments you can receive. You can receive, obviously, a company when you are leaving will pay you your normal salary up to the, to the termination date. You may also have a notice period, which is a peel on notice, which means that you will get your notice period. And the third um, position is they will give you what's known as a compensatory uh, payment, um, which rather than receiving, say, a statutory redundancy payment, you receive a compensatory payment, the benefit of which is um, you would receive that part of the payment tax-free. Okay. And what's the rationale with the tax-free element? 
Well, the, the reason why that is, it's all under the Income and Exercise Act. Um, and the position with that is the, the um, tax revenue department, Inland Revenue, recognise that rather than that being considered as income, they would consider that as a payment for loss of position, or commonly known as loss of position. In other words, you're losing your employment rights. Um, and so therefore you can um, you can receive that as a, that part of the settlement agreements as a tax-free lump sum. However, you will see in every agreement um, a number of clauses which say that in the event that the England Revenue um, seek, seek to recover um, any or make any um, inquiries concerning that payment, you as the employee will indemnify the company against any such payments that they try to recover from them. And that's because you've been paid that money at source. But um, it, it really is a situation where that, that doesn't happen, but it's, it's a standard uh, boilerplate clause in all of these settlement agreements. So is it worth getting some sort of assistance or advice from an accountant either now or when tax returns are usually due to be filed just to t so that they can advise you and take into account that payment? Um, well, it, it's legislation, so I mean, it, it's fairly straightforward as to what that position is. But obviously, if there's any other, um, depending on the benefits you're receiving overall, then um, if, if you've got an accountant who wants to advise you on that, then, you know, obviously as solicitors, we don't provide financial advice on, on, on issues such as that. But there's nothing wrong with them doing that. that that's fine. Now, I alluded to it before, uh, but what, what non-financial terms do you tend to find in these kind of settlements agreement sorry these types of settlement agreements um well essentially they they center around confidentiality what the these these documents are really uh, something that the company is keen to ensure that if the employee is going to leave that they're leaving on terms that um they're not going to walk away they're going to receive a payment from you and it may well be an enhanced payment but they have, they, they also have in return for that some warranties from the, from the employee that there's confidentiality clauses that but the employee may have information in relation to that he holds in relation to the company in terms of data or documents that he has or even just the knowledge of prices and customer base so there'll be confidentiality clauses that um, that none of those that information can be uh, disclosed the company will also be, have clauses in there in relation to retaining or company property there may well be some um, other clauses in their relation to um, not to disclose anything of the terms of the agreement, not to go on Facebook, not to make any disparaging remarks against the company, and they in turn will not make any concerning you. Um, because ultimately, if somebody does that, then the company will also have a clause in there that says they're entitled to re recover the monies paid to you, and often it says as, as a debt. It sounds very much like, well, it is, for want of a better phrase, a contract. It's like an employment contract, isn't it? And whenever you're entering into a legal document, certainly one which has some quite profound personal effects if you if you don't follow it, um, is, this, is this something that you need to get legal advice on, either as an employer or an employee? I suspect an employer probably has already done it at that point, 
because they'll have had to get some advice on the the process itself and who might apply for it, uh, sorry, who it might be applicable to. But what about the employee? Do they need some legal help as well? Well, what, what the situation, obviously in terms of the employer, the contract is often, or the settlement agreement is often being dropped by uh, solicitors and it's a, a document that they're well versed in using and have used many times. The employee doesn't, obviously, the first time they're in this arrangement, um, and so they don't um, understand all of the terms. So the first of all, the the benefit for the employees is that they can negotiate this agreement before they come to, to see an advisor. The advisor's role is, is slightly different. The advisor's role is to see, to sit them down, to understand what they're entering into, consider the content of the agreement, and then explain the purpose of that to the employee as to why, what they're signing. Because this document, when signed by both parties, is legally binding. So it supersedes your normal um, common law contract or any legislation that you can seek to rely on in relation to any potential claims you may or may not have against the company. It supersedes that. It supersedes any verbal agreements that you've had or discussions with other people as to um, what you may or may not got. So it's important that people who come to see you understand what the purpose of this agreement is, what happens if they sign it. Um, and from an advisor's point of view, it's very important that you sit them down, explain that as what the contract, what the, what the settlement agreement means, but then go through the process in terms of their employment rights to see whether any of them have been breached. And whether they're going to should be signing this contract um, before they do so. So um, there's a there's a sort of dual role for the um, advisor. He's listening to what the uh, the employee says and considering whether or not those um, there's been any breaches of his employment rights that are serious enough to actually say that this contract should not be signed. And Johnson and Boone, because of course you deal with uh, commercial matters businesses anyway in drafting documents uh, presumably you can help employers in terms of drafting settlement agreements and advising them on the process etc but are you able to advise employees if they need that guidance that you've just mentioned well in every settlement agreement there will be a whole host of legislation and particular part of legislation that the employee in his employment can rely on. So in so in effect, when you get a contract, when you start with the company, it will set out the basic parameters of how much you earn, where you work from, um, um, what your pay would be, what your, your time that you start, what time you finish generally, just very basic terms of conditions in the contract. They're also enshrined by other legislation or European directives. So what you're doing is reading all of those um, particular pieces of legislation um, or directives out to them and asking them, basically, do they understand what that is? Have you got any potential claims under that? Um, often they will tell you anyway why the reasons why they're leaving, so you can start with those points. And then you go through that. And when you're satisfied that you've explained to them that these are all the potential clauses you have to bring a claim and that you're happy not to bring a claim um, because you're happy to accept the agreement that's before you, then then that's that's your role to explain that to them. If they tell you something that's completely um, different to what you to what it's set out there that it's redundancy, but they've got a potential um, 
huge discrimination claim or an unfair dismissal claim, and that would potentially dwarf this agreement, you would you would you would discuss that with them. Um, but often, um, that your role is to simply advise them on the, on, on what the purpose of the contract is or the agreement, and then go then go through the particular legislation that you can't bring a claim against the company. And what the company wants in return is is that you've gone through that process, you've explained that to the to the employee, and that um, the employee fully understands that this is the contract or this is the agreement that you're both going to be bound by if signed. And ultimately, in neither party or the, certainly the employee will not bring any claims against the company in the future, either in an employment tribunal or in a county court or any other court of law. Is there any restrictions on an employee, either in terms of what they can negotiate into the contract, whether it be a term or a, a financial payment? Are, are, are they bound by anything? Are they limited by anything? Or is it is it a case of having that chat with the employer and, and seeing what you can come to as an agreement? Um, well, often when people come to you, they've already had discussions with the um, employer. So basically they will... Um, they'll have probably been offered a, a voluntary package and they will have considered that. Sometimes people say, um, well, I, I, was, I was able to negotiate a little bit more for myself than what they originally offered and this is what the, the agreement is now and that's fine. Um, but in terms of what, what the payment that can be paid, there is no absolute upper ceiling on, on what a settlement agreement could, could pay. But obviously the uh, employer would have... Um, you know, guidance as to what the general employment tribunal payments are for unfair dismissal or any other type of dismissal. So they'll be working to that and working backwards as to what the, the maximum they would consider paying in any event to set to settle a claim. And is the uh, sort of an average settlement figure that people can tend to expect? I suspect because people earn different salaries, that's a difficult question to ask so when i say average uh, i'm talking more about what what kind of payments tend to be a standard that you get in there and well in terms of as i said before i think there's there's, there's the three types of payments and there's you you're entitled to to your salary for what work you've you've conducted up to date including all your holiday pay that's due that you're also entitled to if you've got any contractual bonus payments that are due um, you're also entitled to if you've got notice period, so that would be paid. Um, and then there's the compensatory element of it. Now, the compensatory element of it, again, it depends on a lot of different circumstances as to what sort of payment you're going to receive. But in general terms, you know, it's not unusual to see something between one and four months, maybe one and five months salary um, as, a, as, a, as a figure for that part of it. Um, and, and then obviously your other payments are on top of that. So, um, and sometimes, and as I say, because it's it's tax-free, some people are happy to take that, um, especially if they're young enough to move forward or, or, or even if they're old enough and say, well, I'm close to retirement, I'm going to take that now. Um, so I would say any, anything between one and five months is, is a sort of standard. Sometimes it's a bit less, but around that figure. And when does it become legally binding? I say this, on the basis that they might sign the agreement today, but they might not actually start the redundancy period, as in they might not finish their employment till, I don't know, next week. 
Um, do, 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 yeah. do the terms of the agreement start when they sign the agreement or does it start when they finish? It, it, what happens if they change the mind between those two periods? Well, the as I say to them, when they come in, um, the, every document would have um, a footer saying without prejudice, subject to contract. And I explained to the um, employee that this is exactly what that says. It's an offer. It's without prejudice offer. There's no liability accepted by the company in terms of making them the offer. It's something that they can consider. They can discuss with me any potential claims they have, and then they can decide whether they want to end their employment on those terms. So it's an offer um, at that point only. They don't have to accept that offer. They can decide I'm not accepting that offer, and then they go back to the workplace. Um, and obviously, um, they, they're still employed. But if they do decide to accept the offer, then it becomes binding once they've signed it, and the company then get a copy from, which would be sent from the advisor, um, and the company then sign it. At that point, it's a binding document, and the, um, and often there's a termination date, which is maybe a week or two weeks uh, beyond the date, um, and that's when the that's when it um, it the, the, the terminates date for the payments. But in terms of the when it becomes binding, it's when both parties sign it. And does it go wrong when people have signed them? Other times when it winds up in court, and if it does wind up in court because there's been a disagreement, what what do those disagreements tend to be? Well, the comp- the company will be keen in the contracts to make sure that nobody brings any claims because they've been advised by the advisor not to. So the advisor would have to say to them, um, and then it'll be a term of the contract that they are. Um, they are, they have a contract um, of insurance and indemnity to um, to cover any potential claims where where there's a dispute about um, the company or the agreement. Um, and often, I mean, very little did. It used to be a situation where people might, may have in the past gone out and made some disparaging comments on Facebook, and company were trying to recover the monies back from them. And in there, in the document, the settlement agreement will be an agreement that the employee agrees to indemnify the company against any legal cost for breach of the agreement. So you can have situations where the matter um, may end up back in court. But in general, the company would be locking in the agreement to make sure that um, all of the potential claims um, are will not be able to take place because this is the purpose of the agreement. Um, so there'll be no claims in an employment tribunal or a court, um, but by the employee. A comp- an employee can bring um, the claim back against the company if there's any personal injury matter that they weren't, or, or weren't aware of at the time. They signed the agreement, um, a latent injury of some sort that they weren't aware of, or there's some breach of their pension rights, or in fact, if the company simply don't adhere to the terms of payment, then they're only the very, very rare exceptions that you can actually go back and challenge the agreement in court. So um, it is it is onerous on the employee in that sense because they are basically signing away their rights to bring any potential claims. But on the other side of it, they've been given the opportunity to speak to the advisor, set out any potential claims, have the benefits of that advice, and then decide whether they're going to sign the agreement or not. So it's not as if they haven't been told or they've just been asked to sign the agreement um, by the company with no legal advice before they did so. So it's 
it's very important that people do get this advice and that they do understand the terms because then they can avoid creating a situation where they might find themselves in this trouble. Do they have to get legal advice on these agreements? The company, when they're having a settlement agreement, will um, basically ask them to get advice so that it satisfies the terms of the uh, settlement agreement. Um, they, the company will pay for that advice. Um, they'll, or they'll pay a contribution towards the cost of that advice. Um, what would happen is that um, the company would um, ask us to send an invoice to them, addressed to the to the employee, or payable by the company. So the company um, have to pay for that advice and make a contribution to that payment. Um, it, sometimes it will cover all of the advice. Sometimes it's slightly less, and the employer may um, top up that if he's got any other issues that he needs to address with the company. Okay, and. Do they but work? in general terms, it is it is satisfied by the by the by the employer uh, agreeing to that payment, and that generally is that the the employee doesn't make any payment. And I, I guess settlement agreements as a tool are not going anywhere anytime soon, given the current economic climate that we're in. No, I think they've been in existence for a long time now. Um, there there are. Um, pros and cons on, on both sides of it. Um, I think it, they're here to stay, aren't they? I mean, ultimately, it's a way of um, terminating an employment contract between the parties um, without actually, in, in a lot of cases, ending on really bad terms with potential claims um, in, in employment tribunals. Um, and it, it, it is what it says in, in, in the old days. It's a form of compromise in a way, um, particularly when there's a dispute between them. Um, but it's also a settlement, isn't it, where people are happy to take that settlement to move away and move on with their life. I mean, ultimately, if you're at the stage, not not in terms of when you're accepting a voluntary um, settlement agreement and you say, I'm going to end my employment on that basis, that's fine. But where you're in some form of maybe minor dispute with the company or you don't see eye to eye on these things and you're having meetings about disciplinary or grievances from one side or the other the the, the reality is often neither party's happy when that meetings take place neither party's happy probably with the outcome in terms of because you're going to have one person dissatisfied in some way and it's really the start of in a lot of cases of the end of a working relationship um, and so uh, some people and um, companies sometimes take the view, well, you know, the, the, this, is a, this is an opportunity to make this offer. It's entirely up to the employee whether he takes it um, because the company can't just dismiss him. They have to follow correct procedure. They can, in, in cases, um, dismiss somebody, obviously, if there's gross misconduct um, or there's any reasons to say that on, on the balance they, they believe it's a potentially fair reason for dismissal. Um, but it, but ultimately, um, it's still going down that potential argument that there may be a claim against them. So I think settlement agreements are here to stay. Um, there'll be more. There's more and more of them that we're seeing on a sort of monthly basis. Um, I think we're going to see more towards the end of this year. I think, as always, you could go on forever on these things. There's an awful lot more detail to boiling down to, with all of the topics that we cover but it is just merely a, a taster that we try to uh, to bring to you in these episodes if 
anything that Chris has said um, has perked your interest, has got you worried, you feel like you need some guidance, some help, or if you have been um, asked if you would like to, to enter into a, a settlement agreement, you need to do one because either the... Uh, the place where you work is asking for volunteers or it might be a case that people are asked to do it or if you think that this is something that will be applicable to you then it do give uh, Chris a call um how can they get hold of you Chris people have got any concerns about employment or their or their employment um rights they can they can give us a call um at the at the, on the main office line they can email me at um Johnson and Boone um, address, so it's info at Johnson and Boone, or they can email me at my personal email, which is chris.johnson at johnsonandboone.co.uk. They can get and go into our website, they can use our app to make appointments and consultations with us. I just stress to people that employees, employers, um, and employer employees, that there are situations where it is going to be a difficult times ahead. The employees um, will be concerned. If they've got any concerns, we're happy to discuss them with them um, before they go into um, negotiations on that. And then um, we can help them understand what they're agreeing to um, in, in terms of moving forward. It is a difficult time. It's an emotional time as well for some people because obviously um, at the time, getting a new job, especially in this environment. So we're here to help. Happy to take calls, happy to have meetings with them, either face, face to face, we're just now going to start um, social distancing, we're going to be opening our office again shortly, um, but at the moment we're doing them um, via telephone consultations or via Zoom or other Skype or other um, electronic messages. Brilliant. Uh, also, you can find Johnson & Boone on uh, social media or on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, there's loads of other little tips and notifications when uh, new columns and blogs and advices drop up. And indeed, special offers. There have been special offers, uh, in certainly in the more recent times, for the likes of the NHS staff. Um, so um, I'm sure there will be ones in the future if you're tuned in then you can be the first to find out about these there was also uh, a business recovery guide which Chris and the team have put together which is really useful for businesses to help them deal with some of the issues they're probably facing at this moment in time again if you go to the johnsonandboon.co.uk website if you go to the news section you'll actually see an article where you can uh, uh, get a free download of that that guide so chris thank you very much for joining us today that's been really useful do we know what we're going to be covering next time um, next week we're going to be doing landlord and tenant matters um it's in relation to tenancy deposit claims and um, so we'll be going to give you an overall view of them how they work um what the sort of um issues are in relation to those type of claims and um from both sides of, of, of the, the coin in terms of whether they're from a landlord, the, if he faces a claim from a, um, a tenant who perhaps can't get his deposit back and um, is having no joy in being able to get his deposit to move forward. So we'll be having um, a podcast on that next week, um, which will go through all the issues and the relevant legislation. Fantastic. Thank you very much for your help as always, Chris, and uh, we'll catch you next time. 
Thank you very much. Cheers, man. Thank you. Get social at Johnson & Boone on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter.